live from the rock welcome to the brown sports convos podcast my name is samuel Ree. with me tj kim david cody ethan jobson and we are very excited to be back to brown university in a recording studio not at our homes <laughs> on our crappy laptop microphones and all of that um we're we're very happy to uh, be back and be bringing you some content for the first time this academic year um yeah, a couple of housekeeping things. We're going to be transitioning over to Brown Student Radio relatively soon, and uh, we'll be working with them. So we'll be doing like live tapings of that, and uh, the format probably won't change too much right. because we're not very creative. But, <laughs> um, yeah, essentially we'll just be on the radio waves and uh, use the recordings from that and release those in the in the normal spaces. Mm. So. Um, I think that's something to look forward to, and uh, we're pretty excited about Very that. Excited. Right. Uh, so we can jump right into it with our usual segment. This is called the riff, and so what this is is each of us gets a little bit of time to introduce a topic that we are interested in talking about uh, from the world of sports. And so, uh, yeah, does anybody want to start with that? I guess I'll start if no one else will. <laughs> so I, I think I'll. Uh, I wanted to talk about. The MLB playoffs, uh, just last night the playoff picture got set because uh, my Rays uh, clinched their spot in the wild card game. Rays up. Anyway, uh, <laughs> but I wanted to talk about some teams in the playoffs I think might be underrated and overrated and like who could uh, either flame out or make a run that some people aren't seeing. Okay. All right. I want to talk a little bit about college football. I think we're only, we're only four weeks in depending on if you count week zero um but the rankings are starting to shake out a little bit and we're starting to get a picture of what the landscape is going to look like and boy is it sec heavy at the top um so i want to talk about that conference and what's happening in the rest of the college football world that could be interesting this year um i also kind of want to talk about mlb there's a lot of interesting teams this year in the playoffs and i think there's a lot of team that could uh, make a lot of noise and teams that we didn't really expect to see this year. And I would like to talk about the NBA. The season is coming up, and I think that these storylines are starting to shake out about who's going to be good, who's going to be bad, and I, I thought it'd be interesting to discuss who we think has come out as a little bit overrated in these discussions and who we think has been a little bit underrated. All right, so where should we start? Let's start with baseball. Baseball. Oh. Right. baseball. All right, so... Baseball sure is a sport. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> yeah, so um, basically for anyone not totally uh, versed in the this baseball season so far, the prevailing uh, powers have kind of been racking it up this year. There are a lot of like very good and very bad teams this year compared to almost any other year. Uh some of the best teams right now are the Dodgers, uh, the Astros, and the Yankees, who are all 100-plus win teams. But I kind of wanted to talk about another one of the AL's best teams that I think is kind of getting lost in the shuffle because the AL has just been so good with their division leaders this time. I wanted to talk about the Twins. I think the Twins, uh, for anyone who doesn't know, the Twins have been... Uh, one of the best offenses in baseball, not only this year, but, like, historically. They and the Yankees keep uh, re-breaking the record for home runs in the season. Um, 
but the Twins have a really good team, even outside their offense. They, uh, Rocco Baldelli, uh, formerly of the Rays, uh, is their manager. It's his first time managing a team ever, but he's done a really good job with them. They have, uh, great defensive outfielding. They have, uh, Zach Little and Jake Odorizzi holding down their rotation, which is not quite where their offense is, but it's pretty good. They have a great uh, closer in Taylor Rogers, like kind of one of the few like traditional like closers still around in baseball. So I think they are uh, currently set to play the Yankees in the division series. And uh, yeah, growing up in uh, or. Also, currently living in upstate New York, I have definitely heard a lot about the Yankees this season. And, of course, their main storyline has been overcoming a huge swath of injuries. But they still have those uh, those injury concerns. And they have concerns with, uh, like, Domingo German and Dylan Batances being out for the playoffs. So, hot take here. Are the Twins the safer pick to advance than the Yankees are. That's interesting. Do you think do you think the Twins would have a have a tougher shot in these playoffs just because to get to the World Series they'd have to go through the Yankees and the Strohs probably after that? Compared to like the Dodgers, yes, I'd agree. Right. I think the AL is stronger this year. I think yeah, there's like there's no easy uh pickings. That's what kinda what I'm trying to say is like mm. the Rays and A's too, not to be a homer, but both those teams even, like, my brother is a Yankees fan, and he said, like, oh, I don't want to, uh, to deal with any of these teams in a short series. It's kind of, you kind of feel that anything can happen. And compared to, like, the NL, like, no disrespect, but, like, is anyone truly afraid of the Cardinals? I, I feel scared saying that, because, no. of course, then the Cardinals <laughs> would go on a, a magical run. But I, I think that... Some of these teams are getting lost in the shuffle because there's been so much talk of Yankees or Astros, Yankees or Astros. Mm-hmm. I'd like to hear like um, what your thoughts on the Astros are in general because my understanding from a distance is that the Astros are generally considered to be the favorites, that they've got like the strongest roster. Uh, Dustin Verlander came in with averaging like something like 152 over the last seven games or something like that for his ERA. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Astros are, like, I'd say, like, pretty... I mean, anything is arguable, but I'd say they're the best team in baseball, or, like, the most talented team in baseball, I should say. They have a heck of a freaking uh, uh, lineup and rotation. They're... they're uh, Grinky almost pitched a no-hitter the other day. They got him at the trade deadline. They have him, Verlander, Garrett Cole. They also have that lineup with Altuve at... And Bregman, that's just, like, so, like, lethal. There's, it's a scary team. But the one thing I'd say is that that's exactly what people were saying about the Astros last year, and it didn't happen for them. I just, I just say that any, the MLB playoffs is the kind of uh, competition, the kind of format where anything can happen. And I'd say that, that's especially true this year where the AL just has so many good teams that I just, I couldn't be too surprised if they were not able to go through with it. Although I obviously wouldn't be surprised if they won it either. Sure. Um, I think the thing, great thing about this year's baseball playoffs is that 
a lot of interesting team that maybe we didn't expect to see in the playoff beginning of the year who are now very much in and very much kind of um, making everyone think about them as potential contenders because again the way you said uh, um, like uh, Ethan just said in the MLB playoffs the format is such that you know any team can really uh, have a shot at that going very very far mm-hmm. um, so yeah teams like the A's who I think really were counted mm-hmm. at the beginning of the year um, even some of the even some of the bigger players like the Braves for example I think people had high mm-hmm. expectations yeah, for them but yeah. it was not very far from a sure thing that they would be sort of as good as they are right now or the Brewers people yeah. are writing them off after Yelich got injured yeah I mean and then another team that I definitely want to talk about is um, the Washington Nationals uh, I'm a former DMV resident and I can remember the Harper years uh, very clearly um and once he left, I kind of, uh, I think people in Washington kind of felt like, all right, well, here we go again. Another mm-hmm. one of our sports teams has squandered um, a couple years of, you know, of, of playoff contention, and we're going to have to go tank again because, you know, that's what Washington teams always do. Um, but for to actually be in the playoff this year and to have a lot of the old core in DeVere's in um, Strasburg and people like, um, no, Rendon, I meant Rendon, there is no Rendon, I meant Rendon, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, Strasburg, Scherzer, you know, Soto, Zimmerman, these guys are all still on the team and they were all part of this old, you know, core that we kind of wish we remembered more fondly than we did. <laughs> um, so I think that, you know, that team has gone from being a team that expected, uh, you know, superior talent to kind of win the day for them mm-hmm. to a team that has gone to that, you know, kind of needs to kind of sort of, um, be gritty and sort of um, take wins uh, from the other team, as opposed to just kind of expect to be sort of given them by their by the by just being better. And I think that that's the attitude that is taken by even the teams that do have a lot of high end talent, and that you need to have that attitude in the playoffs, or else you're not going to do very well. Yeah, I'd say I've heard, there's a lot of uh, talk about the Nats as a sexy like dark horse pick. Mostly because they kind of fit the prototypical mold of, like, a team that can, like, overperform in the playoffs. Like, they have great starting pitching, but their bullpen has been really crappy. Uh, And the bullpen is kind of less of a factor in these, like, short spans. Mm. I would say, though, that they are... Their bullpen isn't just bad. Their bullpen is, like, horrific. So that's just... That's one thing to keep in mind. And they're also... They have a one-game playoff against the Milwaukee, who, as I mentioned, have been really hot, too. It's... I... I want to buy into the Nationals. It'd be a great story. Mm-hmm. And I can see where it would happen. But I think people might be playing into a bit of an overly romantic notion with the idea of them as a, a candidate for a run this year. But it's hard to predict. Well, anyone who's watched Washington sports should know that um, <laughs> being hopeful for a Washington team in the playoffs is never really a good thing to, <laughs> a good policy to have. Yeah. Hey, uh, I can tell you the Rays are also uh, having the lightning uh, performance in the playoffs at the back of their body. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. So, what's next? Do we want to talk about college football? Sure. Let's talk about college football. Um. So the season's quite young so far. Um, 
And nothing, nothing too shocking has happened to make us make us change our any minds about who the the real powerhouses are. Clemson and Alabama have been ranked one and two for it feels like two years now, um, and and both of these teams look like they're they're playing at a really high level. Clemson has picked up right where they left off after spanking Bama in the national championship, um, and Alabama's rolling as well. Um, Tua Tua Vailoa is looking like a future number one overall pick. Um, as is Trevor Lawrence. So mm -hmm. it'll be interesting to see if either of them come out after this year or not. Um, but five of the top ten right now are SEC teams, which is really interesting to me to see how this will play out. So it's Alabama is two, Georgia's three, LSU's four, um, Auburn is seven, and Florida is number nine. Um, after having beaten uh, Miami, who was pretty highly ranked in week one, um, it was a big win for them, but Miami isn't ranked anymore, so we'll see how indicative that actually is mm -hmm. of how good they are. Um, it'll, it'll be really interesting to see how this SEC shakes out, and I know it's still young, uh, the season, but it looks it looks like it's going to be pretty top-heavy. Yeah, that's that's really... I, I might get hate for saying this, but mm -hmm. I actually like it when there's a lot of really good teams in the SEC. I like mm -hmm. those traditional rivalries. Yeah. See, whenever there's a competitive Iron Bowl, that's always the best thing to me. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I do feel that like that. Some of these uh, like teams that like traditionally rose up from the other Power Five conferences are kind of like struggling this year. Michigan is not having a good year. Mm. Um, they got beat by Wisconsin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's You kind of wonder about Jim Harbaugh's future. Right. Uh, and Auburn is having a much better season than uh, starts the season than usual, although they have had their disappointments after hot starts in the past, too. Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, Florida is the most random one because yeah. when is the last time they've been relevant? Like, have they been relevant right. since Tebow? I don't think so. <laughs> I really don't think so. Yeah, but I, I guess the question is: Is any of this still going to uh, change uh, the result of a Clemson Bama title Clemson game? Clemson Bama Natty? I I don't know. Um, it'll. I think I think the three and four spots in the playoff are probably going to be more more interesting to look mm -hmm. at. Mm -hmm. Um. It's just questionable how consequential they could be. Alabama does have both LSU and Auburn on its schedule, um, so there will be mm -hmm. some some SEC clashes that Bama could lose in. Just looking at so far, um, but the idea of Bama could lose is really really uh, relative, right? Mm -hmm. Bama, mm -hmm. Bama having a possibility of losing is, still means the possibility is very slim. I will say that. I watched the uh, Auburn-Oregon game, week one, I believe. Yeah. And Auburn, uh, their quarterback looks legit. Like Yeah, he does. He, he looks like... I feel that a lot of times you need that kind of presence to uh, pull off these kinds of upsets with, like, when uh, Johnny Football, forever he will rest in peace, <laughs> uh, when he played at Texas A&M, that's when they pulled off the upset for, over Bama... Uh, Cam Newton led that comeback over Bama and that Iron Bowl. So having that presence, I think, can only help in creating a different result. And the other thing is, like, 
with college football, similarly to what we're talking about with baseball, it's just such a short season that, like, yeah. things can happen that can radically change everything. No one expected Clemson to uh, blow out Bama until the last game of the season happened right. last year, and now it just totally changed people's conceptions of the yeah. uh, powers that be. So that kind of thing could be could happen, but... I guess, I, man, I'm really being, like, very cold by takes, but, like, I don't know if I could bet against Bama and Clemson again. Right, well, Clemson doesn't have a single ranked team left on their schedule right now. That's ridiculous. Um, oh, my God. So, oh. so I think we might be able to pencil it in now that Cle- uh, Clemson's going to be wow. undefeated yeah. and roll into the final. Yeah. Um, they, oh, my God, look at that schedule. Maybe, right. maybe Wolford the, will pull off the outside. <laughs> the best team I'm looking at right now that they could play is maybe... Florida State, maybe South like South Carolina might be oh, the next no. best team that they play. Um, so uh, like compare that to the schedule that Alabama has to go mm-hmm. through, or an LSU or a Georgia has to go through. Um, so I think I think Clemson has a really easy road. The thing is now going into the playoffs, they won't really have been tested yeah, in yeah. the way that a lot of the SEC team, SEC teams uh, will have been. I always forget Clemson is not SEC. No, no they're, they're ACC. ACC. I, my contribution on this topic is I am from Arkansas, and mm, I am I am looking forward to uh, seeing that they got spanked in every conference game <laughs> going forward. Uh, shout out to my boys in Fayetteville. <laughs> oh man, that Tennessee Georgia State game. Sorry to digress, but that yeah. was rough. That was rough. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we we've seen a lot of exciting games already this year. I was just talking about mm-hmm. before we started recording the uh, yeah. Washington State UCLA game. Yeah, yeah, sixty seven, sixty three. I thought I thought uh, I think it was last year we saw A and M versus LSU uh, go to like eight overtimes, mm-hmm. and that score was in the sixties. I thought that would be the craziest game I've seen ever, mm-hmm. but this game I think topped it. Washington State's quarterback threw nine touchdown passes and lost the game um really really an incredible thing to watch also a crucial game for chip kelly to win Mm. in terms of the course of his career and trying to to rewrite that ship after the kind of odyssey that he's been on in terms of changing coaching jobs and failing in various places Mm -hmm. um trying to trying to reset himself as a as a college football head coach yeah as well i I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to Herm at uh, <laughs> at Arizona State. I, I don't know how long this can last. It's they're already weird. They're already a weird <laughs> team, but like I'm just pulling for them every time I've seen them pull off these upsets. Yeah, uh, that's I think that I, that might be my uh, uh, fate. My automatic favorite uh, college football team since obviously. Uh, Brown has not been uh, <laughs> <laughs> playing yeah. that great right now. It's and, all right. Yeah, yeah. We beat Bryant. That's a yeah, win. That, that's, that's a dub. Yeah. You know, they yeah. win? We certainly went to Harvard. Yeah, yeah we did. Yeah. We, we did. We, not we, a lot of teams can say that. Yeah. Can Bama say that? No, no. 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 True. <laughs> In fact, I don't think Bama can say they've scored on Harvard either. Wow. Absolutely, wow. yeah. Pretty sad. You know? all right. Can we say that? Yeah, yeah, we yeah, okay. have we scored <laughs> a whole touchdown. We, we, we did. Impressive. Yes. You know how hard it is to score a touchdown? Yeah. <laughs> I've never done it. Right? Yeah, yeah before That's the what... game, me and a couple of my friends were considering pulling out a... Making, uh, drawing up some We Want Bama posters and bringing it to the game. Although, uh, <laughs> we ultimately decided against it. We'd like, rather not have it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
do think it would be a funny uh, <laughs> Especially because we literally are not allowed to play them because we are FCS and they are FBS. Yes. Well, actually, no, we, we can. We can, but, but like... like <laughs> but, you know. is playing Duke. That'll be interesting. Oh, really? Are they really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Who's on Duke Yeah, who's year? on Duke? I don't know. Not Zion. Not Zion, not RJ, I think not I've, I think the little I've seen is that it's expected to be Do not Do they still quite... have Kyle Singler? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think it's supposed to be like not quite as good as some years, but still they're Duke. Right, right. Anyways, uh, sure. All right. Speaking of basketball. Speaking of basketball, yeah. Um, the NBA season coming up. Who do you guys think has been overrated, underrated? Shoot. All right. All right. You want to start? I want to start. Actually, you start. go. Um. Overrated Lakers. I think they're <laughs> very overrated. Um, they're being given they're being given like finals like looks and like championship <laughs> looks, and I don't. I'm not buying it just yet. You know, I get it. You know, you've got LeBron, you've got AD, you've got you know. Um, Who else? The preeminent <laughs> uh, basketball uh, master in um, in um. Dwight Howard, yeah, <laughs> um, returning to LA in his uh, in his redemption arc, yeah, um, and you know I'm all for all that stuff. I think that they're gonna be. I I cannot wait to watch them. Um, I would love for them to do well, but I just I don't know if um, they can re- if they can really put all the pieces together and compete in this in the Western Conference and compete against the Warriors and the Rockets and everybody else that you're gonna need to compete against, especially when you bring people like that a bunch of people like that together and you've got a very new team. Sometimes it can take a while to get things going, um, and then you know also I think do they have a new coach? I think they do, right? Kind of new. I think. <sighs> I don't know, actually. Okay. <laughs> no, they, um, Frank Vogel. Yeah. Oh, but Frank they, Vogel. Yeah. That's actually really good. They for hired. Them. They hired the number two on their shortlist as the assistant coach. Yeah. Though, right. I'm very happy it's I, not Tyron Lue. Tyron Lue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then underrated. They, I think they have Jason Kidd on their staff. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. Really? That, that's who I was talking oh. about. Yeah. Yeah. That's wow. interesting. It's interesting for it sure. Is, it certainly is. <laughs> All right. Well, definitely interesting team to watch. Though I don't know if they're. Gonna be as good as the hype mm-hmm. as they're gonna be. Um, underrated, New Orleans Pelicans. Yes, in my opinion. Um, this is a Drew Holiday. From, so last year's <laughs> Lakers plus Drew Holiday and Zion yeah, and Zion. <laughs> so like, I think in it's entirely possible that in a couple years we look back on the AD trade and we say that well the Pelicans actually got the better end of the deal because they get they get they got Hart they got Lonzo. Ingram. I, think, Ingram. I think we've already been looking. I think yeah. Sam particularly yeah. has looked back on it and yeah. said that Pelicans got better than Ingram. Then they got the first round pick and have Zion, and it looks right now like they intend to use him. They don't tend to just trade him for cap for value. Right. Um. And then yeah, Drew Holiday. So, you know, that, 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 that's that's five players right there. You know. Yeah. And um, I think if one of them can, one of those guys can step up and be a leader and kind of rally the team around themselves and they have enough talent to get the job done and to really make some uh, depends make some on what, waves depends yeah. on what the job is yeah. you know <laughs> i think i think getting into the playoffs is kind of a stretch goal for them yeah and it could certainly happen um but it's 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 really a competitive uphill climb for them there's like 
you could make an argument for 12 of those teams to make the playoffs. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. And I think the only ones that you'd be really comfortable leaving off are the Suns. And even then, like, Suns fans would be like, oh, we have Ty Jerome now. So, you know, it's all good. Uh, probably the Mavericks. And um, even then, it's like, even KP's then, coming back. Don't do uh, Yeah. It's a, it's a tough conference, for sure. Um, I do want to say about the Lakers, I am less pessimistic about them than I was during the summer. Um, I think that there were two things that might be looked at as unfortunate that I think are going to benefit the, benefit them in the long run, and that is Kawhi Leonard not signing with them and DeMarcus Cousins being lost to injury. Mm-hmm. Um, with Kawhi Leonard not signing, they gained a significant rival in the Clippers, uh, which could be a problem for them, mm-hmm. uh, for sure, undoubtedly. But at the same time, they maintained some cap space that they used to buy some filler veterans, essentially. So they actually have, they kind of have a bench. They brought Rondo back, uh, they brought on McGee, um, or they brought McGee back, uh, they overpaid Contavious Caldwell-Pope again, um, mm-hmm. you know. It, it was, as you do. Yeah, <laughs> as the Lakers tend to do. Uh, they actually have a little bit of depth compared to where they were last season. And I think the the argument that you make for the Lakers isn't, oh, they have LeBron and AD, who's going to stop them? I think the argument is, if they make it into the playoffs, who's going to stop LeBron? Because right, we've gotten to a point in the NBA where there are not many people with finals experience left yeah. who aren't named LeBron James. He's been there for the past eight, seven or eight years, except for this past year. So who do you have that's been in the finals? You have... The Warriors of the past few years. Right. You have last year's Raptors, who aren't going to be back there again, most right. like more than likely. Uh, and there's Kawhi Leonard, who's on the Clippers. Right. So I think that it's it's tough to argue that there are people with real playoff experience out there right really now. Really going to leave out my man Kerry? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to talk about him. He's not making it. Shut up. <laughs> um, yeah, I think like it's there are you talk to anybody who is close to the league and. All they will tell you is there is no one in the league who has, is as good at game planning for the playoffs as LeBron James is. Mm-hmm. So I think that's like a strong argument in their favor. Um, it's going to be questionable as to whether they can make it that far, but I think like you put him in a situation where he it's like you have seven games to beat them in this series. What are you going to do? I'd be scared of the Lakers for right, sure. Right. True. I think I think my other my other thought on the Lakers and I would I would maybe put them as my underrated team. Yeah. Um sort of as a as a counter argument to the to the overrated argument that even even last season at the point when LeBron got hurt, the Lakers were in the playoff picture. Mm-hmm. Like they were pretty well seated in the, I think they were like fourth. I could be I could be wrong. Um, going into LeBron's injury, they were five or six. They were five or six. They were in there. Is is the point? So, mm-hmm. I think I think if you take that team and give LeBron a full off season to get healthy, and then add legitimate players that he can work with, mm-hmm. and by that I mean Anthony Davis, <laughs> um, and their backcourt doesn't look bad at all either. Yeah. I think they have Rondo and they have Avery Bradley could play a significant role for them. I'm not high on Avery. You don't, Bradley. You don't think about Avery Bradley? He's Danny been bad Green. for the past few seasons. That's fine, and you know that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um. 
Danny Green's on that team? Yeah, Danny, yeah, Green, Danny Green is on that yeah. team. That was a great pickup for them. I think that's a really smart pickup. They also got uh, Quinn Cook, I think. Yep. Which is like Cook. he made he made some noise in the in the finals last year. Yeah, he's I think he's the type of type of guard LeBron also likes to have. Right. Is someone who is a point guard but also can just be a kick-out shooting option mm -hmm. as well. That's what you were talking about before with LeBron actually having an off-season, I think is something that's like a bit of an overrated talking point with some of these people who are really close to the league, but then like kind of an underrated talking point with people who like aren't really paying attention to the league, is mm -hmm. that LeBron James hasn't had more than two months of rest right. since like 2008, essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it, it's going to be interesting to see what kind of shape he's in coming into it. He is definitely aging. He just turned 35 or something mm -hmm. like that. So you're 17 for him, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. That's a lot. <laughs> and like, you know, there's all this talk about how he has probably the most miles on him of anybody like in re in recent memory right. for sure. Because all the like, playoff games he's played, that's like a couple extra right. seasons. If you're mm -hmm. talking about total minutes, he's going to be like far and away one of the highest marks by the end of his career. Yeah. Uh, already he's up there with Malone and Kareem. So yeah. um, it's going to be interesting to say the least. I thought that they would not have the path to the finals before. And that's what like made me really unoptimistic about them is that I thought they weren't going to have the depth and that they weren't going to have like the personnel necessary to make it there. Mm -hmm. But I think if you put them in the playoffs, it's still like a wild card pick that you can be comfortable with. Yeah. Um, so cautiously optimistic. Cautiously optimistic. <laughs> I think it all depends on, on where they're seated. Right. If they're matched up with the Rockets in the first round, I would be concerned for them. Really? Yeah. So you're you're high on the Rockets. I'm higher the on the Rockets on the than I expected to be. So I yeah. think cuz I remember the the day that trade happened, you you texted us that team's not going to win any games. <laughs> <laughs> so what changed your mind? All right, so I, I want to talk about this. I would have my I would have the Rockets as my underrated pick. I think there are a lot of fit concerns, right? You have yes. Westbrook and Harden on the same team, two of like these notoriously high usage players mm. who can't really do too much off the ball or at least haven't shown the propensity to do so in right. the past. And we definitely saw them play together before, and certainly not the versions of them that we have today, but they have played together in the NBA before, mm -hmm. uh, when they were on the Thunder together. And there were s obvious deficiencies in that chemistry. Um, I think that we saw like Harden as a sixth man being the ball handler off the bench worked for them, yeah. but it was hard for them to be on the same court together at that time. Mm. <sighs> Where I stand on it is, I think Russell Westbrook really loves playing the game of basketball. And I think James Harden really loves Russell Westbrook. Um, I don't think James Harden really loved Chris Paul. Mm. So people, he actually went on a couple of podcasts and talked about how he thinks chemistry is a little bit overrated. Um, that like, if you have the same goal, that it doesn't really matter how much you like each other personally like he and chris paul should have been able to make it work but you know um and they were really close that one time when chris paul went down in game i think six of the conference finals a couple years ago and almost beat the warriors and almost went to the finals and they definitely would have beaten that cleveland team um i don't know westbrook is not a basketball player that you would want next to harden in nba 2k but right. this is an NBA 2K. Right. 
Harden is at a point in his career where if he doesn't win a championship soon, it's going to be difficult for him to do so as the primary guy. Mm-hmm. He came off of an MVP caliber season uh, last year, and he was carrying a significant load. But I think Harden and Westbrook, they go way back, too. Like, right. they they're, they knew each other uh, when they were playing in AAU, I believe, huh. and, like, were on the same team and all of that. And... You know, you hear all the stuff that they have to say about each other, and they are just so excited about this. I would be concerned going up against them, because Westbrook right. is a dangerous one-on-one guard, and right. Harden is a dangerous one-on-one guard, and there are not two... There's not a team out there that has two people that can deal right. with those one-on-one guards. Yeah. I think if you have both of them on the court, and they find some way to make that work, then that's really dangerous for the personnel that we see around the league. Uh, in addition, they brought back Clint Capella. They yeah, brought, that's huge. They brought back some depth. Um, Eric Gordon re-signed there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they can make some noise. And I would be scared if I saw them on my schedule. For yeah. sure. Yeah. Overrated. Right. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, Ethan. I think the Nets are a little bit overrated. And I was... <laughs> okay, I'm just going to be reasonable here. If you're going to tell me that the Nets are overrated, but the Rockets are are underrated? Yeah. I, 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 can't, get, I can't get over this take, man. I, can't, I, can't, I don't know if I can get over this. I, how many times do we need to see Westbrook fail to integrate with another star? What other stars? He's had Paul George and Kevin Durant, and that's been it. And, like, people talk about how much Kevin Durant and Westbrook hated each other, like, even before he left. But you were just saying how much chemistry is overrated, and I No, 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 I'm saying that Harden has said that it is, but I think it's going to be important for them, for those two in particular, because of how opposing, diametrically opposed styles that they play. And that if they love each other enough to make that work, you know... I'm going to disagree here. All I right. think if you look at the most iconic duos of all time, Kobe, Shaq. Uh, <laughs> all those guys even, love even, each other. You know, you know guys. Yeah. Yeah. Great to be there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> even, even LeBron and Kyrie uh, managed to win one. I, I, I am definitely of the mind that chemistry is overrated. And No, I think in, overarchingly, you don't need chemistry to work. I think that these two specifically need will. this chemistry to work. If if they don't have the chemistry, it's not going to work for them. And I think that's part of why it didn't work for Harden and Chris Paul, is that, like, they didn't have that. And uh, I think they needed it because of who they are compared to each other. You look at Kobe and Shaq's games, that's a big and that's a guard. And it the way that they played didn't necessarily need them to like mm-hmm, each other for mm-hmm. that to work. So my point isn't that chemistry is important overall, um, you know, the Celtics last year, notwithstanding, I right. I think that like, depending on what you have, that's when chemistry comes into play. Is it would be my point essentially. I don't know. I I, <laughs> I very much push back against this notion the Nets are overrated. I'd say if anything they're underrated. But since I, I'm not going to be a homer and pick them as my <laughs> underrated pick, I'd say. Well, I don't want to say that the Celtics are overrated because uh, that just makes me sad right now. <laughs> I, I'd say for me, underrated, I'd say, is probably like the Utah Jazz. I think mm, interesting. I yeah. think they have been a consistent like mid-level uh, team and mid-level playoff team in the West. 
and they added some nice pieces. I think people are underrating them because they don't have one of these, like, amazing stars. Right. But I think having Conley is going to do wonders for yeah, that team. Absolutely. I think that I think they could be a real contender, especially in a league that seems way more fluid than usual. I uh, So I came very close to picking them. The reason that I didn't is that, like, I listen to so much basketball content that, like, I hear so many people say the Jazz are underrated that uh-huh, I, uh-huh, I, it's yeah. hard for me to say that they're underrated right now. Um, but yeah, I've loved Joe Ingles for God knows how long. I think he's the best player in the league. But I think he's like one of the one of those guys that you love to have on your team. You know, like if you have him next to these ball dominant guards like Mitchell uh, or these pick and roll players like Mike Conley, that that's you know you are never upset about having Joe Ingles on your roster mm-hmm. or even in the starting lineup. Uh, they also picked up Bogdanovich as well, who has done wonders for the Pacers over the past few yeah, years. Yeah. Um, you know, there are concerns about matchups specifically uh, in the West where you don't have, like, these dominant bigs or driving uh, players on teams like the Clippers or uh, teams like the Lakers where the wings come out a little bit more. You know, obviously Anthony Davis is there as well, uh, but with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, do the Jazz match up defensively with them pretty well when their identity is largely centered around, you know, their defensive identity, uh, and then getting points where they can on the offensive boards or on the offensive side. Um, you know, Ingles and Bogdanovich, I think they would struggle against Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, mm-hmm. honestly speaking. But other than that, I think Conley is a massively underrated player. Mm-hmm. I, I uh, got the chance to see him in Memphis when he was still playing there, and he understands the game. And I think that having him with Mitchell, if it doesn't have benefits immediately, at least down the line for Mitchell, we're going to see a different kind of player. Um, His decision-making process has been questioned in the past, and his scoring ability is certainly there, but um, if he can improve in the ways that Conley improved at the beginning of his his career, because it took him, like, eight seasons to become, like, this all-star level player for Conley, who never ended up making an all-star game, but... um, I think that the Jazz are a team that I am going to be very happy to watch. And not to okay. mention current uh, FIBA world champion Rudy Gobert. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. I thought, yeah. didn't Spain win that? Oh, did they? Yeah, because oh. Gasol, uh, there's the whole deal with like Gasol uh, raising two trophies for uh, this summer or something Oh, like yeah, that. yeah, yeah. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah. my God. I don't even USA. But yeah, <laughs> you're you US centric mindset. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just assumed they would win. I, I, first, well, I guess the US basically the Celtics this year. The Celtics. I, I kind of was. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just, talk about the Celtics some other day, or maybe in my two cent finish. How does this grab you for an overrated pick, though? Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah. 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 But I think it's kind of like agreed that they're overrated almost. No, I disagree. I've seen a lot of things of people talking about how great they're going to be, how OP, OP, OP they're, they're going to be with uh, <laughs> that Horford and Embiid uh, front court. Uh, assuming that if you're, if you're, if the good uh, argument, for, if the argument for you as a better than uh, what is being talked about is centered around an old guy and a guy who can't stay on the court. I'm already going to doubt you. Well, here's my view on the Al Horford thing, is that Al Horford has consistently been, like, a really good team player, a guy who makes your team defense really work over the past few years in Boston. And the other thing is, he has been the best defender of Joel Embiid over the past several seasons, or past few years. 
Um, and it, this is proven in their playoff series. This is proven in their results. There is no one in the league who has been as capable and effective in handling Joel Embiid as Al Horford has. So I think by the mere fact that there is going to be no team that has Al Horford right now, that benefits Joel Embiid, which might benefit the 76ers. So I think that's the important part about the Horford signing. Um, and then if we see Embiid make a leap in his conditioning and his ability to stay on the court... Big if. That is a big if. Uh, we have the workout pictures now where he he's flexing his pecs and all of that. But, um, yeah, if you don't have the Embiid stopper and Embiid is there to take advantage of that, that is a scary team mm-hmm. at the very mm-hmm. least. And we're talking about a relatively weak East where your second best bet is the Sixers, and then you have the Bucks with reigning MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo, and then who else is there? That's not the Celtics, unfortunately. Uh, the Nets probably won't have Ke- Kevin Durant this season, or at least not until the playoffs. And the Raptors lost Kawhi Leonard. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Sixers make it relatively far in the playoffs at the very least. True, but I... I don't think they're this consistent. They're this. Uh, oh, there, there's no doubt they're inconsistent. Yeah, I feel like not enough is being made of the losses they had. I thought watching that series against the Raptors, I thought Jimmy Butler was the best player on the court for the Sixers, and I feel True. that not enough has been made of losing him. JJ Redick was a great veteran presence and shooter, mm-hmm. and I feel they haven't been able to replace uh, that need for like a consistent shooter. It is more a commentary on the state of the Eastern Conference mm-hmm, than it is mm-hmm. on the yeah, fact that the yeah. Sixers are good, I think. That, right, the Red Seas really kind of parted for them mm-hmm. right. this year in the Eastern Conference. Then again, maybe the Celtics are good. Maybe Ennis Cantor Perhaps. can actually not get roasted on defense every time someone has the <laughs> ball in front of him. I have my doubts. <laughs> I actually like the Celtics more when they are doubted. <laughs> fair I, enough. No, that's I think, fair. I think that um, looking back, it's kind of like, you know, when Brad Stevens and all the rest of the players, you know, Tatum, Brown, whoever, when they kind of feel like, mm-hmm. not even, not even that they're doubted, but that the pressure's kind of off of them. Right. I think maybe what might have contributed to their, um, the, the less than mm-hmm. the optimal results the past couple years is that everyone expected so much all the time that yeah it just like you know and not only that I expected so much all the time from mm-hmm. themselves but also from Kyrie a lot Sp- and I think that that's not a healthy attitude to have right speaking broadly I think Brad Stevens in particular mm-hmm. he was hailed as this like coach who could make something out of nothing for mm-hmm. so long and that you know he made Evan Turner an all-star he made mm-hmm. Jordan Crawford like the player of the week one time in 2015 or something like that and he's coming from Butler, where he was a coach that brought his team to the national championship game and came within one Gordon Hayward shot of winning, um, beating Duke. I think Brad Stevens himself does better when his team is the underdog. He's like this college coach that like takes these scrappy parts who are hungry for uh, proving themselves and like makes something out of them. And so maybe it's the, it's the idea that when you have stars who have their own agendas and who aren't, like, necessarily... Their first priority isn't necessarily, like, this team game or whatever. Mm-hmm. That is a little bit more difficult for him to make that work in mm-hmm. particular. Um, 
So hopefully that's something that he can overcome because that's something that you need to be able to overcome in order to be on a championship level. Um, but maybe that's part of what the struggle was with Kyrie over the past couple seasons. Um, so maybe Kemba Walker being underrated is, uh, quote unquote, is what they need to, to... I like Kemba. I think he's yeah. going to do good things because I, I think feel like... A, yeah. I, I just feel like he's very humble. You know, yeah, I, that's, I, that's I, a big thing. Big character I, guy. You know... I don't think he's gonna try and um, demand. He, he's not gonna try and sh- show off or like demand that everyone you know right. acknowledge how great he is. He just wants to kind of win, you know. Yep. So do we want to transition to the two cent yeah, finish? Yeah, I think it's a good time. Yeah, yeah. All right. So the two cent finish, really quick, is our final segment where each of us gets a little bit amount of time to uh, monologue, soliloquy, rant about a topic in sports that we care about. So we're giving all of each other the space to do that individually. So who wants to go first? All right, I'll go first. Um, So this is this is the Brown Sports Convos podcast, and we did talk passingly about a couple Brown sports. Um, I want to talk about one in particular that doesn't get talked about a ton, and I'm super biased, but... Brown University has a national championship uh, team on its campus. Do any of you know what team that is? Uh, Ultimate Frisbee. May I make a guess of Ultimate Ultimate Frisbee? The men's men's Ultimate Frisbee team is the best college Ultimate Frisbee team in the country uh, and because of the way Ultimate works in the world. Um, (laughs) uh, Is a team that uh, had... The Callahan Award is essentially the the Ultimate Frisbee Heisman. Um, we had we had a runner-up for that, Mac Hecht. He was incredible. He just graduated. Um, but we are returning some really, really good players, uh, John Randolph, Dylan Villeneuve, who are really, really solid contributors. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brown really has a shot uh, to go back and win it all this year. Um, and, yeah, I just think we should be appreciative of the fact that someone brought home a natty uh, D1 <laughs> yeah, national yeah. championship. Yeah. You uh, guys play on campus? Um, most, most of the games are in tournaments, mm-hmm, so most mm-hmm. of those are away. Um, rarely do we, do we have a game that's at home. All right. I guess that we have to have sports convos that organize a viewing <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I can go next. I want to talk about the Celtics, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a rough time, guys. Uh, yeah. So let me trace this back to where it all started with the Nets trade from God knows when, when Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett and uh, Joe Johnson, I think, went to the Nets for a buttload of picks. And, uh, you know, for years, the Celtics were... There's some Joe Johnson and Jason Terry, but... Okay, Jason Terry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, For years, this was a trade, in addition to other pretty good trades, that hailed the Celtics as this this truckload of assets, right? Um, And, you know, they have the brightest future. And, you know, it came to a head when Gordon Hayward signed with them and they traded for Kyrie Irving. And so they had these these, uh, relatively young stars. They had Jason Tatum on the come-up as well, uh, who was drafted that year. And, you know, Tatum went to Duke. Kyrie kind of went to Duke. Uh, You know, there's that connection. And, uh, you know, Hayward and, and... and Brad Stevens, they they got that connection from mm. Butler, um, so this is this is looking good for the Celtics. Jalen Brown might be kind of a three and D, you know. <laughs> um, Al Horford is like 
the most reliable defender and player in the league. You know what you're going to get out of him. Um, and it didn't work. <laughs> and it wor- didn't work so much that there was like this huge backlash of, oh, the, where are your picks now, Celtics fans? And, you know, Jason Tatum, he's only 20. Um, and I don't know. I am in such a weird position because for the first time, we don't have like a buttload more picks than we should normally have as a regular NBA team. And so now we just have to go forward with what? Regular expectations? <laughs> with, with this belief that we aren't better than every other team in the league? What is going on? Is, is Danny Age actually a bad executive? And he just got lucky because the Nets were run by some stupid Russian at that time? I don't know. I don't know what to feel. Um, as our consolation prizes for Al Horford, the heart of our team for like five seasons, and Kyrie Irving leaving in free agency and burning all the bridges behind him that he kind of made an attempt at, you know, sending an apology letter to or whatever. <laughs> we got Kemba Walker and Ennis Cantor. Kemba Walker, who <laughs> has never been past the first round in the playoffs, and Ennis Cantor, who his coach notoriously said we can't have Ennis in the game right now because people target him. He's such a bad defender that like it's it's he acknowledges it himself that it's the biggest hole in his game. He can score, he can rebound, he's pretty good at those things, but like, he cannot defend for the life of him. I don't know what to think, guys. <laughs> um Team USA was made up of Kemba Walker who flopped against France. Uh, Jason Tatum, who got hurt, whatever. Jalen Brown, who just demanded $170 million from the Celtics. And Marcus Smart, who is Marcus Smart, and I love him dearly, and he can never do any wrong in my eyes, but he's probably going to be hurt when the playoffs come around. I'm sad. I'm not optimistic. And if it does work this season, then I'm going to be right there cheering for them and really happy. But it's not a good look right now. We're on Sad. average expectations. Sad. <laughs> okay, and on that note, um, I want to talk um, about something very interesting that's happening in the United States right now. Okay. There is something of a movement that has started, um, and that movement is Major League Soccer. Ooh. Ooh. Um, an extraordinarily, um, I think underrated entity in the sports world. It's coming up. You know, it came from actual, I think, like, sort of, like, garbage-tier, like, sports league that, you know, no one should really ever watch. It's something that now has a really dedicated fan base, especially when you go to certain teams in certain cities. Um, You know, you've got the... uh, the uh, Atlanta Atlanta United outselling mm-hmm. the Falcons in their stadium. Mm. Um, you've got really, really awesome and dedicated fans in L.A. and in Portland yeah. and in Vancouver mm-hmm. and in mm-hmm. Seattle, um, which are all teams that kind of lack in the other major American sports. Right. Um, well, except for L.A., but, you know. Um, and I think it's just... And New York has a huge following, and now uh, David Beckham's trying to run this sort of uh, inter-Miami... Uh, team and trying to attract the biggest stars in the world. He wants, you know, maybe uh, every, you know, everyone 
uh, up to, you know, Lionel Messi has been talked about as a potential candidate for playing for um, this new MLS team. And I think that um, the, uh, the upside of all of this is that I think in the future we are going to see a lot more great players in the league, not just washed out Europeans and upstart Americans. Uh, but people who genuinely um, want to play here for a little bit. I'm not saying it's going to be like the Premier League, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, but it's, I'm saying it's going to be that people are going to have to pay attention mm-hmm. um, to what's going on over here in the U.S. Um, soccer-wise. Um, whether that is, you know, a great player like Messi or a great person coming up out of the league and then going off and proving themselves somewhere else, I think is what's going to happen. But yeah. That's my that's my two cent finish. Watch the M- pay attention to the MLS and don't be surprised when they are one of the most popular leagues in the country in a couple years. I think America is one of the only countries where we can say we have a major league soccer. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. MLS. Yeah. I kind of like it. It's called does MLS. Make, does that make every other soccer league minor leagues technically? Exactly. Oh, yeah. Definitely. By Definitely. definition. For sure. All right, I want I'll finish this off. Um, I just wanted to talk about another brown sport. Um, if you don't know, currently, uh, brown women's soccer mm. is having a heck of a season. So hey, far, watch your language. There. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, yeah, they ha- are currently six and zero at home. They uh, started off their first. Uh, seven games undefeated they recently just lost their first game uh they but they are overall 6-1-1 one one. Mm. they had a great game where they uh went into college station to play uh the current uh the then ranked number 13 team in the country texas a&m and they got a hard-fought draw wow. uh and they're just i've gone to see a game uh already they're a very fun team to watch i just wanted to give a shout out that they are playing their Ivy League opener here uh, at Stevenson Pinsign Field right on campus uh, at 7 p.m. tonight. I hope this podcast gets up before then. But if you happen to be listening before then, you should go and check out that game and, in general, just go and support the team because yeah. it's nice to finally have some good sports teams here at Brown. Yeah. Who are they playing? Uh, Dartmouth, who's Dartmouth. also a very good team. That should be a good game. Alrighty. Well, that's it from us, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you want to know more about the club, since we are starting the year off right mm-hmm. now, uh, we are Brown Sports Combos. We're a club dedicated to, you know, talking about sports, uh, getting together and appreciating sports. We have some watch uh, viewing events. So if you want to know more about that, uh, find us on Facebook at Brown Sports Combos or on Twitter, BRN Sports Convos. And our website is sportsconfos.com. Uh, a little bird told me that there might be a wild card game viewing event coming up. Yes, yeah. we did hear about that. Um, so, you know, keep an eye out on our socials for that. Uh, other than that, thanks again for listening. We're looking forward to an awesome year of doing podcasts for you guys. And, you know, um, yeah, that's it from <laughs> us. All right. <laughs>